Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. All right, well, it's our birthday. And so I want to preach tonight a message about what it means to actually celebrate. What it means to actually celebrate. To give you a little bit of context, I was brought up in a Polish household. All right. And so when it comes to food and when it comes to celebration, I'm sorry, no one does it like a European person. Like we, my parents were immigrants here. We had nothing, like absolutely nothing. They didn't speak English. They built everything from the ground up. We had nothing. But every birthday, Christmas and Easter was extravagant. Like I remember my mother saving and preparing for such a long time leading up to any event. So the fact that we didn't have a lot of money didn't mean anything to her. All right, it was going to be pulling out all stops every single time. And so I thought this was normal until I met some other people who just don't do that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, because like I'll celebrate anything. First day of term, let's have milkshakes. Last day of term, why don't you have the day off and let's go out. You know, oh, you lost a tooth? Awesome, let's party. You know, whatever it is, I'm looking for a reason to celebrate. And, you know, my, my, my family have actually told me to calm down because I was the sort of person that even when we went on holidays, everything, including the kitchen sink, came. And we had a meal plan and every single night was a feast and it was just over the top. They're like, calm down. I don't know how to calm down when it comes to celebrating. I'm sorry. I once made a cake for my daughter's sixth birthday that took me six days to make. I never did that again, but that's me. I'm that sort of person. I'm that sort of person. Everything needs to be celebrated, needs to be celebrated well. And, you know, I, I actually realized, you know, as I studied the spiritual disciplines, did you know that there are 12 or even more? We don't really know. But, you know, reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, solitude, giving, serving. There are spiritual disciplines which we're meant to do. Did you know that celebration is a spiritual discipline? Did you, no, it really is. It really is. And so when I discovered this, I was like, I knew I was more holy than I thought. <laughs> it's actually a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. And God loves to party. In fact, He loves to party so much that He ordered that we party. And you don't believe me. He instituted feasts and celebrations and he said, this is how you're going to celebrate, when you're going to celebrate. And if you don't, it's punishable. So the title of my message tonight is, Thou Shalt Party. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, Thou Shalt Party. It's actually a spiritual discipline and God loves to party. And I want to tell you why. 
Because God knows that without moments of deliberate celebration, the human soul grows weary. We lose ourselves, we wander in vain and in the grind of life and the hits that we take, if we don't celebrate, our souls don't survive. And so he said, no, I love you so much that you're going to have a Sabbath one day to rest and spend time with me every week. And you're going to have a festival at this time and this time and this time and this time because you need it. Because you need it. And if you don't, you're in trouble. I'm going to get you in trouble if you don't party. If you don't party. Deliberate pause and reflection and celebration. Without it, we can't maximize the life that He's given us. We become worn out, dragged out, burnt out, angry people. And so God in the Old Testament commanded His people to celebrate. And He gave them guidelines on how to celebrate. And I really find this fascinating. I find it fascinating. And when I did this study, I was actually reduced to tears at the goodness of God. The goodness of God. That He would love us that much to say, yes, the life that I've called you to is fast and it's hard and you live in a fallen world, so you must party, you must celebrate, you must rest. It amazes me how many people don't take the time to celebrate. Milestones and special events. Hey, Toby. Do you know this, this past year, um, I decided I didn't want to celebrate my 40th birthday, which was in September just gone because I was going to throw a different kind of party. Maybe you've thrown one. It's called a pity party. And so I didn't celebrate. And I want to tell you I regret that. Being a person who has celebrated so well and so intentionally, throwing a pity party for myself and not celebrating was actually a really bad decision. It was a really miserable time of my life. So I've decided I'm going to celebrate my 41st this year. But many people plow through life from one week to the next, month after month, year after year, without stopping to celebrate and enjoy the fruits of their labors and the people around them. That is not living. That's existing. And celebration is much of what gives joy and meaning to life. And, you know, if you look through the Scripture, if you do the study, you will be amazed at how intentional God was in restoring our souls several times throughout every single year and momentarily every week so that we could be hot and on fire and continuing in the things of God. Thou shalt party. You know, there's a pattern to God's plan for our lives. It goes like this. Sacrifice and celebration, sacrifice and celebration, sacrifice and celebration. And if we don't do that, we will burn out. We will burn out. And so today I want to share with us some party rules. Party rules, God's party rules, party etiquette of how to party according to God's plan. You know, in the Bible, in Nehemiah, you may or may not be familiar with the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah and Ezra were amazing, 
absolutely incredible, absolutely so inspiring. They rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They rebuild a desolate, ruined city. They do it in a day where the king doesn't know God, doesn't believe in the Lord. The king, though, allows them to rebuild the walls. And in that time, we read how exactly God intends them to celebrate. And in Nehemiah 8, Ezra is reading the book of the law. And so he read the book distinctly, faithfully amplifying, faithfully amplifying and giving the sense so that the people understood what he was reading. It's good to understand what's being read, right? And chap, uh, num, uh, blah, 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 verse 9, Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, who was the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the law being read. And they're like, stop, stop crying, stop mourning. Verse 10, then Ezra told them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For the day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved or depressed for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. That's where we get that scripture from. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Where? In the middle of celebration, when I deny depression and I deny mourning and I remember the Lord. That's when the Lord's strength comes in my joy. Verse 11, so the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still for the day is holy and do not be grieved or sad. And all the people went their way to eat, drink, send portions and make a great rejoicing for they had understood the words that were declared to them. We see the exact same instructions many, many years prior when God actually teaches them about the first feasts. In Deuteronomy, God starts saying to them, this is how you're going to celebrate. This is how you're going to feast. The what, what are you going to celebrate? And the how, how are you going to celebrate? In Deuteronomy 16, and you shall what? You shall be really depressed. You shall be really miserable. No. And you shall, you shall, you shall, Rejoice before the Lord, you and your son and daughter, your maidservant and manservant, and the Levite who is within your towns, the stranger or temporary resident, the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place which the Lord your God chooses to make His name and His presence dwell. You shall earnestly remember that you were a slave once in Egypt. Hello? Anyone else? Don't forget... Don't forget that you were once a slave in Egypt and you will be watchful and obey these statutes. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths for seven days after you've gathered from the threshing floor and the wine vat. You shall what? You shall rejoice in your feast. You, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, the Levite, the transient, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. Okay, party etiquette, party rules out of Deuteronomy and out of Nehemiah. Are you ready? This is how God wants us to party. Number one, remember. 
remember. The trouble with not celebrating is we forget. We forget. And the key to staying passionate and in love with Jesus is to remember what He's done, what He's called you from. I wonder how many people walk away from the Lord because they do not thank the Lord. They do not remember. They don't take time, even in the darkness, even in the grief, in the, even in the hard times to go, you know what, God, even if you never do another thing for me, you saved me and that's enough. I was once a slave in Egypt, but I'm not anymore. Instead of being entitled and rushing through life, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. Why don't we just stop and remember You shall remember, you shall earnestly remember that you were once a slave in Egypt and you're not anymore. This is where stories are told, where foundations are laid and strengthened. When you get around together and you share stories, don't just get together and have a party and talk about the weather. Get together and talk about the goodness of God. Share about what He's done in your life. You know what? Be the first person to start that conversation. Who cares what everyone else is talking about? This is what God's done in my life. This is how good the Lord is. Remember, remember. And even if you have to stretch back 20 years, He still did it. He still did it. He still did it. Identity is built when we remember who our God is. We're not tossed to and fro by the, the, the narrative of the world because we know who we are and we know whose we are when we remember. And glory is given to the Lord when we remember. Deuteronomy 6, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Listen and get them inside of you and get them inside of your children. And I'm not just talking about natural children. I'm talking about spiritual children. If you have a friend who is new in the Lord or coming to the Lord, tell the stories. Get the stories into them. Write these things on the tablets of your heart and get them into your children. Remember, remember and pass it on. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting in your home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and in your city gates. Do you know what? I really, really know without a shadow of a doubt that Christian homes need to restore the family table. We need to restore the family table. Do you know dinner is a daily celebration? Turn the TV off, disallow the gadgets and devices, put them to the side, and you know what? Look each other in the eye and remember and share stories. Share stories about the goodness of God. You know, in the lead up to today, our 10-year celebration, I have to tell you, it was, it's very bittersweet for me. And in the tears that I shed yesterday, I remembered, no, I need to remember. I need to remember the right things. And I gathered my children around before they all hopped into bed last night and we took communion together around the table of celebration. And they all prayed and we all gave thanks because if we don't, 
this, this person here is going to be a washed up mess. I know about you, but I need to remember the right things. And I need to get it into my children. And I need to celebrate together. Let's not be so busy and preoccupied that we don't stop to remember. Remembrance is the first party rule. The second rule is a really good one. Rejoicing. He actually says you will rejoice. You will rejoice. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God. In Deuteronomy 16, in Nehemiah 8, go and eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and the port, send the portions for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11, do not be grieved or sad. Sounds to me like it's just a choice. Verse 12, and all the people went and made a great rejoicing. You know what? You need to have fun. You need to laugh. And you need to show the world that it's possible to have a great time without abusing substances or defiling yourself. You can actually rejoice. And the Bible says the world will know your disciples, that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Get together and enjoy your, each other's company. It's a powerful, powerful witness. Invite people into the celebration, into the rejoicing. You've got to laugh. You've got to have fun. You've got to celebrate each other. You know, this morning, a bunch of my friends came to the 10.30 service and they travelled from all over Queensland and New South Wales. And whenever we're together, we laugh and we celebrate and we encourage each other. We rejoice. And you know, I have so many people that say to me, I wish I had what you have with your friends because the world will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. It's inspiring. It becomes something that others want to be a part of. It's life-giving. You've got to laugh. You've got to have fun. You've got to include other people in it. Number three, this is also a good one, feasting. <laughs> I should have had a cheer there. I don't know. Feasting. Feasting. It says, it says, what does it say? It says, eat the fat. Guys, it's okay. It says, eat the fat. God said, eat the fat. And the reason that's a big deal is because in the Old Testament days, meat was like a fine fare. It wasn't, it's not like us where we eat like a chunk of meat with every meal. Back then, it was a rare thing. It's not something that they accessed every day of the week. So when God is saying, have meat and fat, it's like, woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. He's telling them, go above and beyond, go all out. I'm not talking about a red and white bucket of KFC. That's not a feast. That's instant regret and nausea in a bucket. I'm talking about excellent food, all out food. I'm sorry, if you come to my dinner party, no one's gonna compare with what I'm putting on the table. You want it to be excellent, why? Because you honour the Lord and you honour your guests when you go all out. Feast, feast, 
Hospitality needs to be written into the core of who we are. And I love that God values it too. Do you know the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? Feast. Feast. You actually, that's the first thing you're going to do is eat. A feast. The marriage supper of the Lamb. You should read your Bible. It really is in there. I promise you. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to eat. You're going to celebrate. Pastor Mark often says that he believes that the word fasting is actually a spelling mistake in the scripture that is actually meant to be feasting and they just dropped to the E by accident. I'm kidding. Fasting is one of the other spiritual disciplines. But when it comes to celebration, no, 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 no. We're feasting. We're going all out. We're going above and beyond. Go all out. Pull out all stops. Pull out all stops. God loves it. Number four, celebration is a time of renewal. We are renewed. We are renewed. We are renewed in His, our commitment. You know, in our remembering God's goodness, in our rejoicing, in our feasting, you can't but recommit. When you really remember His goodness, it's just a natural outflow of that experience is I'm renewed again. God, I recommit to your ways, your principles, your authority, your promises, your direction. When we quiet our souls to celebrate Him, we are moved again by His love and we find ourselves surrendered to Him again. I wonder, as I said, how many fall away because they don't do this. We're renewed in these moments. We are reinvigorated in these moments. We come back to overflow in these moments. When was the last time that you put on a great celebration? You got together with people, encouraged each other in the Lord, told the stories of the Lord, put on a feast. When was the last time you did that? You really need to do that and you need to do it often. Number five and the last point is that according to God's party rules, this needs to be all-inclusive and relational. He says, your family, your friends, your employees, foreigners, destitute, displaced, God is all-inclusive. That is His posture to humanity and His heart is towards everybody. We're a city on a hill. We live with open homes. We have the spiritual gift of hospitality. We are welcoming. Do you know what? We are, we are givers. We are generous. We open our lives. We're not waiting for someone to do it for us. We're in the seat of the person who says, come and celebrate with me. We lift people. We lift rooms. It's what we do. Matthew 5, 16. Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Be the sort of person that celebrates others. Be the sort of person who's relational. Don't wait for someone to celebrate you. You celebrate everyone around you. Be the sort of person that will take every opportunity. I literally said to my friends this morning, I can't believe you have put this effort in. And they said, no, no, we celebrate every milestone. 
It's, it's an all-inclusive, I'm pouring this out onto others. I'm not waiting for it to be done to me. I have an inclusive, generous posture of the soul. If you want to cheer yourself up, make it about someone else. Bless someone else. Include someone else. You know, we have this Polish tradition. We have this Polish tradition where every celebration, no matter what it is, we set an extra place at the table. An extra place at the table. And growing up, I was always told that's for the stranger who might come knocking on the door. That our home is always open. And you know, we do that. We need to actually not just have a cute little tradition, but let's fill that place. Let's fill that space. Let's set it and fill it and then set the next one and fill it. Let's be the sort of people that have open homes in celebration, open lives in celebration. Can you just imagine if the church was filled with people who set extra places at their table? Can you just imagine what that would look like when those people would come in and listen to the stories that were being said around the table? I'd love for you to stand to your feet. And I want to finish on this. When I first became a Christian, I was 12 years old. And my family had just broken down. And I came into this amazing church. And my spirit was awakened and I came alive. But I had witnessed... A family dynamic that was not the kind of dynamic that the Lord would want family to be. I had no concept of wholeness in a marriage, wholeness in a family. And I came into this church and I made friends with this girl my age. And she invited me to her house. And I remember sitting there as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old and watching her dad love her, watching her dad love his wife, watching her dad pray grace and covering over his family, watching him laugh and tell stories, watching them all interact with each other. And I was healed at that place at their table. I saw for the first time what a family is meant to be for the first time at the age of 12 or 13. I had never witnessed it before. Such synergy and joy and celebration. They didn't actually care what was going on in the world. They were just loving each other and loving me. And then I would do sleepovers, whole weekends, you know, and, and I watched her parents open their home and minister to people. My friend and I would kind of, <laughs> this is what kids do, right? We would sit outside and like listen in to the conversation because they would do prayer ministry. And some of it was pretty like, whoa, out there, out there. If you know, you know. But I watched them live open home. I watched them live, and they were just a family in the church. They weren't the pastors, they weren't even in leadership. They were just a family in the church. Took me in and took others in just about every weekend of the year. 
I learnt so much because they lived with an open home. And it says here in, in the Scripture, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to be open with God. I have no doubt that that family laid a rich foundation in my own walk with God that I now live from. They showed me how to do family, how to do ministry, just because you love Jesus. Just because you love Jesus. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.